I can't. Hello, everybody. This is Lynette Wolf. And this is Brian Wolf. We're, We're the Wolf Couple. Oh! <laughs> yes, you have to howl. I guess that's obligatory. So here we are again on our alumni call, our monthly alumni get-together here. So all of you folks who have been to the Quick Start School um, can be on this call and hopefully will contribute to the call and have questions and deals and everything that uh, you want to know about. So isn't that right, honey? That's right. We are super excited to be on this call, and it's the fourth Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know you guys know to go ahead and, and uh, put that in your calendars. And um, if you want to get in the queue, hit star 6, star 6 to get in the queue. And um, we love doing this alumni call. This is fantastic. That's right. So all of you guys can ask questions. And if you get in the queue, don't hit star 6 twice because you'll take yourself out. But get in the queue, and then you can ask us any questions. And if you sent in any deals, we'll talk about deals. Now, if you have a deal and you didn't send it in, that's okay. All we need is a few basic facts, and we can give you our uh, input on that. Right, we honey? actually have a, a couple really good deals right here. Um, so if you sent over a lead sheet, which we have quite a few lead sheets, uh, go ahead and hit star six uh, to get in the queue. All right? I don't see anybody in the queue yet. So go ahead and hit star six. So guys, uh, we actually just got back from somewhere really cool. Cuba. Cuba. Ron and us. Oh, wait. Hold on one second, honey. Okay. All right. Yes, we just got back from Cuba, and it was fantastic. I know. That was a wild vacation, and we got on a cruise ship with Ron and Bev, so Ron Legrand and, and his wife Beverly of 52 years, and, we've, and this was actually on their anniversary, so we planned it perfectly. September 18th was actually their 52nd anniversary. We gave them an incredible Tropicana Cabaret uh, uh, excursion, and we paid for it for their uh, anniversary, and it's our 32nd anniversary. They're 20 ahead of us. So uh, we went out. It wasn't exactly our date, but it was exactly their date, so it was very cool. And we saw Cuba, and what an eye-opener. And what, you know, you start to realize what we have. Of course, anytime you visit certain other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world, you start to realize how lucky we are here. Uh, but, you know, in a communist country, it's even more pronounced, just trying to figure out their path out of poverty. I mean, what is it? And uh, there's little narrow windows. We've got, compared to, you know, most societies and, uh, you know, people's opportunities around the world, you know, we have a, a garage door to drive a truck through in terms of opportunity. And all the more so because you guys are aware of real estate. And you know that uh, if you guys hang in here and keep you know, plugging away. Some of you guys are quite successful already, have a good machine set up, and you're doing, you know, consistent. Consistency to me is 10 deals a year, okay? If you can do 10 deals a year for a couple of years in a row, you're showing some consistency. Now, do I want you to do a lot more than that? Yeah. I'd like you to be doing three deals a month. Uh, but if you could even just do basically what's 10 deals a year, it's about 12 deals, you know, it's about one deal a month. 
and uh, you know, with a couple of months off. And if you can do that with the way the Pretty House business works, I mean, you're going to build great wealth. Uh, you're, you do one deal and hold it for any kind of length of time, and you're talking about wealth that cannot be built in your normal fashion. I mean, you're never going to get rich from your job. You don't have enough of a margin. You know, you just don't, there's, you know, you can't, you, you have to make about twice what you need to live on to start accumulating some real wealth. So, I mean, and that's the beauty of real estate. You can do it on the side. Honestly, you could get rich, you know, given enough time doing one deal a year. But, again, we, you know, we want you shooting for one deal a month at least, and that means you're going to have to talk to 20 sellers a month probably, and that means you're going to have to get the word out there. And some of you guys are doing a great job of that, and some of you guys are not doing such a good job, and you're not getting 20 leads. The people who are doing business are the ones who are getting the word out and getting 20 leads a month or more. Um, and that's what you guys all want to be aiming for coming out of the Quick Start School. Isn't that right, honey? That's right. That's right. And um, one more thing about Cuba real fast was um, we found it uh, extremely interesting that uh, – the perception was more um, that it was possibly not so safe and um, so forth, but really it was incredibly safe. They have next to no, no drugs, next to no crime, no guns, um, and uh, everybody there was so friendly and they were so happy, even though, you know, uh, the prosperity, uh, the, the level of uh, they had no air conditioning and um, you know, just boy, that's a few buildings had some swamp coolers on them, but uh, really no AC down there in Cuba, and uh, it was about high 80s. But oh my gosh, we got lucky on the weather too. We somehow this was when we decided to go was in the middle of hurricane season, and we came in right between two hurricanes. Now Irma, we were concerned Irma was going to knock Cuba on its butt, and we would not be able to go there because you know, the damage and, and uh, electricity would be out and all that. Actually, that was not the case. Now, Havana is pretty far west on Cuba, and Cuba is about as big as Florida. It's long, and, you know, it's only 90 miles from Florida. It's actually closer to Key West than that even. So it's such a historic uh, anomaly that this massive island is so close to us, you know, the United States. Here we have Hawaii is ours and Alaska, and they're way farther away than Cuba. And Cuba has been basically a non-entity in America, you know, and now it's uh, opened up, and it's really interesting. And, and you should see the vintage cars. I mean, it was like uh, back in the 50s. It was uh, just unbelievable. And Ron Grand, he was like he wanted to buy a car no matter what the price was. Um, but, boy, every time he brought that up... <laughs> the uh, Cubans would just laugh because uh, the government uh, has a lockdown to keep that culture going, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a big tourist attraction is those cars. And Ron, if you talk to Ron and say Cuba, the first, you know, within the first two sentences, something about classic cars is going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, that's a huge reason, if not the primary reason he wanted to go down there was to see all the cool cars. And... We are going to have, uh, you know, we're going to put some video together and have something on the Gold Club. or. That's right. You're going to see on the Gold Club there's going to be some uh, pictures from Cuba. Um, Ron Legrand driving some of these vintage cars. We were in the back seat, and he was in the front seat with Bev. And uh, we're going to put together a really cool video. So you'll be seeing that uh, on the Gold Club. Yes. 
So we're excited about that. So uh, is, do we have people in the queue, baby? Um, we actually, um, I have only one person in the queue, and I'm going to see if it's either James Bladino. He turned in a lead sheet. And then we it's, also had um, three lead sh- or two lead sheets turned in from Jason and Chandra. Okay. And now, even if you didn't turn in a lead sheet, uh, make sure to feel free to call in. So if you have a question um, or you want to talk about a deal, we'll just ask you for the four important things, the four tent poles, as uh, Brian puts it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we can talk about any kind of deal, even if you didn't send over a lead sheet. So I'm yeah. going to go ahead and start with uh, caller number one. It just says wireless caller. So area code 763, I recognize that area code. Yes. Who do Hello. we have on the line with us? Hello. Who is it? Uh, Jason and Shonda. Oh, good. Hi. And then you guys are from Minnesota. We recognize that area code 763. We are from Minnesota. Brian and I actually, um, we were married in Minnesota uh, 32 years ago. And we met in Minnesota, and our families, both our families live in Minnesota. And we actually have, uh, we buy and sell real estate in Minnesota. My brother and my uh, brother-in-law, um, they're acquisitionists for us in Minnesota. So um, we're excited to have you on the line, and we see that you're over in uh, Egan, Minnesota. Um, that's where one of the uh, properties is. We're actually oh, Okay, where do you guys live? We're in Chanhassen. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so Jason and Chandra from Minnesota, which one do you want to talk about first? So there's one with the owner's name of Andrew, and it's from Apple Valley. Yeah, from Apple Valley there. He's asking $305,000. Okay, let's let's go through the numbers with you guys. So he's asking three hundred dollars as Lynette said. What do you think the R of is? It's about uh, 300 to 325. Hey, that's a pretty wide range. That's wider than I like. I would rather have, now, when you guys are finding range, so when I ask that question, that's one of the absolute most important questions on every deal. And the closer you can be to an accurate ARV, the more, the more intelligently you're going to make a decision. And, Brian, um, I did want to comment on that because we happen to be extremely familiar with Minnesota and Apple Valley, and I'm looking at the lead sheet here. I apologize. Um, I didn't print a copy for Brian yet. But um, I do believe this house is worth at least $350. Um, so I think what we should do is go to realestateabc.com and make sure you're looking at the comps correctly. Because so me knowing the area, Jason, I would put this value of this home based on what I'm seeing in the lead sheet at 350. Okay, so yeah, the, we did go to real estate ABC, but if we want, if you want to do that, that's great. Um, and when you go to realestateabc.com, now remember that we're gonna be there's a lot of uh, low comps that you throw out. So when you're looking at the comps on real estate ABC, we're taking out, we're looking at the highest comps that are comparable to this property. Basically, guys, go on Real Estate ABC, find the highest two true comps. By true comps, we would like to have it sold for sure within the last year, within the last six months is better. Within a mile of the house, within a half a mile is better. And we don't like big physical barriers in between the subject property 
and the comp, like if there's a big freeway between them, it might be very different on one side of the freeway than it is on the other side. So we don't like big physical barriers between properties. And sometimes people forget this, but guys, depending on your area, sometimes you have homes that were built decades prior to the other one that you're looking at. So if you're looking at a comp that was built in 1950 and your subject is 1985, that's really different. And so uh, now beyond those things, you're mainly looking at square footage. You're mainly looking, right. trying to keep it between one and 200 square feet of your subject property. So when you're looking at Real Estate ABC, the nice thing is they display the comps in a nice grid pattern, and you can sort them by square footage. All you got to do is go to the top of the, of the uh, table there and click on uh, property. And it says there's a, you click on the square footage button, and it all sorts it by square footage. Then you can very easily look at the properties that are very close in square footage to yours. They line up right along the top. So what you want is the top two. And, you know, if, if you've got a property, now what I would look at in this, how large is this property? What's the square footage? Um, we have 2616 square feet, five bedroom, three baths. That's nice. Yeah, that's very nice. And it's that's, in Apple Valley. Yeah, and so I would be looking for anything that was, you know, you might be able to stretch it up to 2,900 square feet or so and still call it a comp uh, at 2,616. And you take anything down to 2,400 or 2,300 if it's a good comp. So if you've got some comp that shows, well, you said between 300 and 325, I'd like to be, you know, closer to 325. So what I'd be looking for is what's the highest comp. Now, when you looked at this, what was the highest comp that you found that you thought was accurate? A comp. Well, let's talk about the condition too, honey. Yeah. The house. What What do you know about the house? Have you seen the condition? Um, the condition was uh, it needs some repairs, uh, but it's the footings on the deck, and he estimated it at about three thousand, so probably double that. Um, but uh, as far as the comps go, I think we found one that was 350 and then a few others that were 300 and that's why I kind of had that window. Okay, well, 300 to 350. Actually, I've got the comps right here, honey. Give me a second. Yeah, if you've got a 350, that's uh, – Ron will tell you right there it's worth 350. Uh, you know, he'll say just grab the highest comp. Now, what's the square footage of that comp? Here, I'm pulling it up right now, honey. Okay, okay, so yeah, we I, have realestateabc.com. He may have it right there, honey. Yeah. I, oh, okay. And um, price per square foot. So we actually have, if you're looking at it on realestateabc.com, the biggest square footage that we actually have, and that's where the challenge comes in, we're going to have to, there's not a lot of houses that are that big in that area. Um, the square footage, what's the square footage on this again? 2616? Yeah. So 2700, we'll call it. Um, there is one at 2700, but the thing is, I don't know if, um, if that, that was 350, it's the exact same house, um, same square footage, and it sold for 350. If um, you do see a property that's exactly the same square footage, usually it means you're dealing with a tract home, you know, that's a, mm -hmm. um, yep. Builder who's doing you know similar models. 
which is actually nice because you can get some really accurate comps. Yeah, so it's 2703, not exact, but it's um, 1990, that's good. And it's, there's a comp there for 350000 um, And then if you take price per square foot in that area, do you see the price per square foot column? Sometimes that you can get in trouble playing with that, but uh, you know sometimes you don't have much else to go by. So uh, if you, especially if your property is the biggest one in the area, but it's it's a little dangerous to just kind of call it a square footage thing and oh it's a buck fifty a square foot, so it's two thousand square foot, so it's worth three hundred thousand, right. and you right. know and then you have another property that's eighteen hundred square feet. Yeah, because you you have a house that's only twenty nine hundred. Uh, well, I mean, it's basically 2,900 square feet. Looks like a fire sale because um, it only went for 320. Um, that one for 320. No, that's and there's a another bit, one. But that's probably still a pretty good. 2,700. So you know, yeah, so you, it looks like comps. I'd probably call it. I you know, if you get this property under contract, I would probably be asking, depending on if you're going to fix it up or not. Now, if you fix it up, if you sell it as a work for equity. You might have to do it for 319 or something like that, uh, or depending on how beat up it is. Have you seen it? Uh, not yet. Um, we just have the lead sheet, and I was trying to digest the numbers, and I think I know kind of where the seller is because he's okay. motivated, and I think I know what his motivation is. Um, I think it's because he's at the edge of being underwater, but he's not. Okay, how much underwater. does he owe on it? He owes three oh five. Okay. Oh wait. So did no. you ask him? Would you sell us the house for what you owe on it? He said yes. Okay, that's great. That's the that's best. That's perfect. Best, that's exactly that's the, the best deal we want. Best you can get because that sets you up for a subject two. There's a, there's two great yeses to get, and they're both subject two deal. And the first one is, will you sell us the house for what you owe on it? And then the second is, will you leave the mortgage in your name for a little while? And, you know, we don't ask it just that way, but uh, did you ask him that? Uh, we, we're going to call him back tonight, so we haven't okay. called him back yet. Yeah. Okay, so as so we, far as, yeah. but, but somebody, have you talked to him yet? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, so you're... So VA, VA has, okay. virtual assistant. All right, so if we have a yes on will he sell for what he owes on it from your VA, that's extremely promising. That's... Guys, on your lead sheet, that's going to be the first box on the left. On Ron's lead sheet, it's, it's box A, and that's your subject two box. Now, if you can get it for 305 and he'll leave this, pro, you know. Now, on a subject two deal, your second question, and you'd be following, you know, the, uh, on this one, you'd be following the subject two closing call script. And so as you're asking these questions, you're, you're going to, you know, ask, once you establish that he would give you a little bit of time to pay him off, usually on a subject two, you're asking for the whole length of the rest of the mortgage. Now, that will make somebody nervous, some, some sellers. Uh, some will just go, okay, that's how it works. Okay, sounds good. And so it's, it's kind of surprising, and you don't want to overthink or over-explain it to the seller. You just want to put it out there, make a clean, clear offer. That's why, you know, the script is just two pages. It's not that complicated. Actually, the subject to script is a lot simpler because you don't have to work anything out. Remember Lynette mentioned those four tent poles? Normally, if you're working out an owner financing or a sandwich lease purchase, 
those are the other two big ones. So the three big ones in pretty houses is subject to owner financing and sandwich lease purchase. On the other two, you got to figure all this stuff out. You got to figure out what the payment's going to be. You got to figure out how long they're going to give you. You got to figure out what the down payment's going to be. Hopefully nothing. Uh, but and purchase price. So you got to figure out all those four things. Now subject two is great because basically he's already you got the purchase price worked out. If he says yes, I will keep the mortgage in place for a while. Uh, everything else is worked out. Now I mean the the term might be 20 years or something left on this mortgage. The payment's already established. You know what the payment is. You're just going to be making that payment direct to the mortgage company. Um, and also the down payment is already figured out because. He's selling it for what he owes, so there's no extra cash going to him. So that's why we love subject to deals. Now, I will tell you that the one factor that plays into this is a lot of times they're not so comfortable leaving this in their name for the whole length of the rest of the mortgage. Now, you're not going to, you're just going to say, you know, can you leave the mortgage in your name? And I mean, the way. Yeah, so it's now the way we do it as common way. It's actually a lot like maybe assumable mortgages, all the FHA veterans used to be like that, where we basically just take over your payments. What we do is just like that, only we don't have to do all the assumption paperwork. The loan stays in your name temporarily, but we do everything so that you can just move on. Doesn't that sound good? Right. So you're going to go through that, and they're going to say yes, hopefully. Yes, that sounds good. And then that's all you're going to say. So then basically you have negotiated to pay out the term on their mortgage. Now, at some point, it may dawn on them that they don't really want you to have 23 years to pay off the term of the mortgage and have the mortgage in their name for 23 years. So they may ask for a balloon payment. That's okay. You know, if you have to put in a balloon payment, you can actually write it up as a subject to deal uh, with a balloon payment on it in five years or 10 years or something like that. If you can get five years, you're, you're all, almost always really good if you can get five years. Um, the other factor in this is if you know they have an attorney or some very savvy real estate buddy or an agent or something who knows something, uh, they probably will advise them not to sell a house to you subject to. They'll, uh, you, they'll, they'll be okay with owner financing, and it's just basically a little bit different of how you write the paperwork. Um, this is a way that they can actually foreclose on you. If you just buy it straight subject to and you stop making payments, they'd have to wait around for the mortgage company to foreclose on you, and their credit would be going you know, uh, down the entire time. So mo that's why attorneys who are smart will say don't do that because, you know, uh, b although we're, we take care of them, of course, uh, you know, technically they're putting themselves at a little bit of risk, more so than if we just structure it as a wrap. Now, a wrap is just another term for owner financing, but that's what you'd be doing by just structuring the subject to as a wrap. Right, honey? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, so that's a lot of teaching there worked into the subject to deal, guys. So, but if you already have a yes, then the only, that's just what Lynette went through, that, that brief script there is. Yeah, I just didn't do the beginning where we basically say what we do, it's a real common way of doing it now, is that we would actually take over your mortgage debt. Well, don't go through the whole okay. thing again, but okay. yeah. yeah. So that's, we know, yeah, so when we get off the call here, that, that's your, you know, that would be your first call is to call those guys. Call that guy. Right. Yep. And we have um, we have your scripts package. So. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So you'll be reading the subject to closing call script.
But I always have the owner financing closing call script, you know, at hand. If they say, no, I don't like the way that sounds or something, then just switch over into the owner financing because that's what you're doing, you know, if you don't, if with the subject too, okay, what I just explained. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, so, so, right, so the other concern was um, we're not confident that we can get a monthly payment to cover this payment. Okay, what's the payment? So the payment is 2300 and it's because, I, I believe it's because he's got PMI. Okay, uh, yeah, and he needs the PMI. Now, if you guys don't know what that is. Private mortgage insurance. Yes. Right. Anytime that a person gets a loan on a property, this I've always thought is kind of a racket, but you're actually paying an insurance policy for the lender so that if you default, the lender is protected. So it's kind of weird. This insurance doesn't, it doesn't protect you at all. You're actually paying insurance for your lender, but that's the way it is, and they won't lend unless you do it. Uh, they won't lend up to 100%. Now, they'll loan up to 80% without PMI. So if you ever have a deal uh, where you don't want to have PMI in that because it does increase the payment, uh, sometimes you have to do the 20% down. Um, so in this case, but now here's another thing, guys. If you are paying down your properties and there is PMI on it, don't uh, neglect the fact that when you get under 80%, now you do have to pay for an appraisal sometimes, or they'll sometimes right. do it. But when you get to 80% and you think you're at under 80%, you can it's apply to get the PMI off. So now that sometimes can make a big impact. Now, if you think this thing would appraise for 350, uh, you know, you're not within 80 yet, even on that. But uh, at some point, this is going to be under the 80%. So 2300 what do you think you can get for it rental per per month? So we did rent comps and it looked like it it was around 2000 a month so it would be a loss and that was a big concern. It's All right. Well, no, well, let me let me feel this one too, honey. Um, now remember rental meter even if it comes in around 2000 a month on this gorgeous five bedroom three bath 2600 square feet home um, which is almost an acre it's 0.88 in a great school system, I might add. But if you are able to get 2000 rent, a uh, lease purchase buyer is going to pay a lot more because they're getting the luxury of locking the price, enjoying the home, moving in the home, doing what they want to that home um, while we help them qualify. So that's why they're more than willing to pay more than what a straight renter would be as far as 2000 So let's just be, let's just say you could only get 2200 okay, and the payment is 2300 We've taken on negative cash flow properties many, many times, and I'll tell you why. If you got $100 a month negative cash flow, let's say you're only able to get $2,200, and let's say we get um, $40,000 non-refundable option deposit from the buyer, you can take that $40,000, put it in a separate bank account to offset that negative cash flow at $100 a month. That's only $1,200 a year out of that $40,000 you just collected. Yeah, you don't have to put that in a separate bank account. Well, I, I'm just Obviously, you could set aside you know the money. That any kind of a large down payment or what we call non-refundable option deposit, everybody should be very familiar with that term, and that should come trippingly off the tongue because you're going to have to say it to a lot of buyers. Non-refundable option deposit. So that's the same as their down payment. Now, on a house that's 300000 
we're shooting for about 10%. And that's just... Well, we don't like percentages. What's the most you... A rule of thumb, I have to disavow every... Because Lynette's going to scold me <laughs> when I say 10%. Don't scold me on that, Lynette. Everybody needs that. Everybody begs us for what, what's like a benchmark, you know, something... Yeah, but I've, I've had... I, no, I, I will yeah, tell you no, that no, I don't I want to pay more than five... We, we had a house recently in Scottsdale. It was actually 349900 We sold it to the lease purchase buyer. They gave us $75,000 non-refundable option deposit. So you just never know when you say what's the most you can put down. But, yeah, go ahead and give them a rule of thumb, honey. Right. So what we were thinking was um, since we kind of expected a little bit of a monthly loss, um, we would use that as part of the deal because he doesn't have that many good options and he's going to lose a lot of money no matter what he does. And I was thinking of explaining that to him and then saying, because of this, and we're not used to losing money monthly, we would ask for more in the equity. All right. Now, uh, are you asking to bring... Now, I'm just trying to think of how you think that this is going to happen. Okay, how, how is this going to be executed? Now, if you're asking for something, always, if you have to give something up, guys, that's one of our 33 negotiating techniques. In fact, it's number 33. If you give something, get something. So if you are giving up, you're giving up some things here. You're paying, a, you know, probably not retail price, but, you know, not massively. You're not getting some massive purchase deal on the purchase price. You're taking over a high payment. Uh, which, you know, that's not great. Uh, you are getting it for nothing down, which I like, obviously. Uh, and, but the payment is, 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 a, is an issue that you can bring up with him. Now, there's two, a couple of ways that you can try to do this, but you're trying to get something back. You're saying, if I have to take on this payment. Now, we have asked people to try to contribute uh, to a monthly payment, and we said, can you send us a payment of, you know, 100 or 200 or $300 a month since we have the mortgage and we can't make, you know, we aren't going to be able to get enough for rent. And sometimes that works, you know, and sometimes we've had it, you know, that you get a couple of payments and then the payments stop, and then what are you going to do? You know, they're not paying to live in the house anymore. They do want you to keep making the payments on the house, and if you want to threaten, hey, we're going to stop making the payments on the house unless you pay the 100 you know, this is where you sort of have to decide, you know, how, you know, how tough you want to be. And the other thing you can try to do is try to get them to bring money into closing. Uh, exactly. If you're buying it for what they owe, they actually have to bring, you know, some kind of money into closing for you uh, to get, you know, some kind of a lump sum to pay against this loss, this monthly loss. And you know how much our real estate attorney loves that one, honey. Yeah, it, that's we <laughs> so, tend to really, you know, actually recommend against having people bring money into closing when they're giving you a house for free. Uh, you know, it just doesn't look good, and, and if you can do anything to not do that. So that's, that's part of the issue here is, is just how do you execute this. You know, when you are taking on a high payment, do I get them to try to send, or do I say, hey, send me $400 quarterly, or, you know, how do you try to work it out? And there's a couple of different ways, but what was your thought on that? So um, the uh, monthly payment might be an option. But the the way I was looking at it was kind of projecting out what the loss would be over a few years, expecting to have the house for a few years. Okay. And um, and then kind of saying, 
well, if you can give us this much at the time that we close, then right? Would, so you're bringing and having them bring money into closing. That's like I said. That's it's a little dicey. And yes, you can say, look, I'm going to be losing $300 a month. That's 3,600 a year. Let's project that out for three years. So that's 10,000. What is that? Yeah. $10,800. So you know, how is this going to work? And you know, are you going to bring? Can you need to bring in this blank amount to closing? It's it's kind of tricky. You could even write it up where you schedule payments. You can schedule a payment for you know, give us three thousand in six months and three thousand, you know, or whatever. But as I said, it's and it's it's always a little tricky, you know, to work that out. If it's going to kill the deal and there's money in the deal, and especially on these larger houses, especially if you can afford to fix this thing up. If the rehab, or if it just needs a polish, what we call a pretty house polish, like five or ten grand or something in there, and on a bigger house like this, it's going to be a little more expensive than some 1,500 square foot house, uh, especially because this is probably a little nicer too, so you might have to do a little bit more with the upgrades. So let's say you had to spend ten grand to get this thing looking really nice, so then you'd be into it for 315, but you could probably for sure ask 349 then. Uh, if you're putting it out there as a work for equity, it might be tricky to get 319, and then you're taking over it for 305, and so there's not much of a margin there. That's why usually putting the 5 to 10 in is a good idea. Um, do you have an estimate of how much it would take to polish this thing up? Uh, not yet. We just he he mentioned that it was about 3,000. Okay, well, that's not too bad, but usually we find things need the four things yeah. that almost every house needs that hasn't been fixed up recently. Uh, if you want to make it nice and have it show real nice and get the most money out of it, usually they need interior paint, flooring, inter uh, countertops is a big thing, and front yard landscaping. So if you you got to count up that four those four things on a nice house that can be ten grand. Uh, and, you know, so, sometimes you can get away with cleaning the carpets and, you know, you can get away with uh, touch-up paint, but pretty much you got to do all four of those things if you want to get the best price. So if you had to do those four things and come up with a few grand, uh, that's another thing you could ask them if you're trying to get a few more thousand out of this because you've taken on a payment that you're not com that comfortable with, which I understand. You could ask them if he can do any of the repairs. That's a really good point, Brian. So if he thinks it's 3000 you could say, hey, could you pay for those repairs before you move out? Again, you know, you don't want to wreck a deal on a $300,000 house. Yeah. Uh, just because that's a big non-refundable option of and if the guy's already said, yes, you know, he'll sell it to you for what he owes, and if he's good on, the, on leaving in his name indefinitely, especially if he says indefinitely, then I really would rather... I mean, you can you can ask for all this stuff, but if you if you build really good rapport, you can get away with asking for a lot. And you know? and Brian brings up a good point that um, Jason, are you actually in the mentoring program right now? Uh, not yet. Okay, because we can partner deals. The reason I brought that up is that we love these kind of deals because not only a couple years from now, look at the principal buy down. Uh, you're going to have on that $290,000 mortgage, but you're going to have appreciation uh, in, in Apple Valley. And, of course, you have depreciation. You can take there's 12 pretty house uh, profits on the lease for just buyers. So keeping that in mind, but secondly, 
you know, we would definitely in a heartbeat put this under contract, take it to the marketplace, and we might be saying, oh, can we get 2,000, can we get 23? We don't know till we take it to the marketplace, see what one ready, willing, and able lease purchase buyer will pay. Yeah. Now, usually when you put it out there, you're asking, uh, you do have to put a purchase price on it, uh, but in terms of the monthly payment, you're not putting a monthly payment on the flyer or in the ads. And when they call, you say, what's the most you can afford to pay per month? And then if they kind of waffle on that, you say, well, what are you paying right now? And if you find anybody who's paying two grand right now, they could probably afford 2300 And you could just tell them, I know the payment's a little high, but that's a condition of us lease optioning you the property, that the payment's a little bit higher. And you know what? It's just corresponding to the, mor- the underlying mortgage that we have on the property. And it's not like I'm making any money. You can even admit that to them. And sometimes we have said that, you know, look, uh, I'm trying to work with you, and I, I, and I owe you love the house, and I'd love to give it to you for 2100 a month, but I'm paying 2300 a month, and I can't afford to lose money. So That is a super good point. That's a writer-downer, everybody. Yeah, so you can be honest on a house that you're just breaking even on, and, you know, let them know that you're not made of money. <laughs> you know, you can't afford to lose a bunch of money. Now, if they honestly can't make the payment... You don't want to put people in a position where they're just absolutely straining every month and they're, you know, not going to start missing payments. Uh, but beyond that, you know, uh, you may, like Lynette said, you may end up finding someone who's okay with the 2300 They love the house and they're ready to go, and they figure they're going to get their own mortgage and get a much lower payment within 6 to 12 months anyway. Okay. So will you um, will you give us a call, or I mean, uh, send us a quick email after you give the seller a call, okay, Jason? Okay. So we want to see this deal come to fruition. Yeah, I and you know what, I want to help you on this deal. So if, if there's something, because maybe this one deal, you know, you could get a good, uh, nice profit margin for sure, a big, huge, non-refundable option deposit, and get into the mentoring and everything, and keep going with your career here. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you bet. And talk about this other deal, Jason. Um, so, um, looked into this more, and um, we would have to get a huge uh, concession on the asking price for this one, because the okay. yeah, that's what it looks comps, like. The comps are way at a, are way lower than what they're asking. What are they asking? The seller wants five fifty. It's worth five hundred. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's uh, low equity. I mean, hey, what are the payments? It's a $100,000 mortgage. That payment does not seem right. What's the payment? They're saying 3000 a month on a $100,000 well, mortgage. Yeah, but how long have they had the house? Sometimes that mortgage might have started at 300000 and they're paid all the way down to 100000 but it's still a 3000 payment. Um, th- that would be, now on a house like that, if you could get it, if you could get it for what they, if you could get it, here's the deal on these purchase prices where you guys uh, are, okay, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. You can buy houses for more than what they're worth if you can get the right terms. And so the terms that you're looking for on this is nothing down, and you make his payment every month. So if that payment, if that house is worth 500000 and the payment's 3000 a month, that's not so bad. I'm sure you could. That probably would have. Yeah, it's almost a five thousand square foot home, honey. Yeah, I mean that payment. You could probably get four, you know, thirty-nine hundred a month or something. You could probably have a massive cash flow on this thing. Now, what are you risking if this guy gives it? If you buy it for five fifty, 
and you can sell it for uh, now remember you're selling that on lease purchase um, okay and let's say you can get them down a little bit let's say you get them down to 540 maybe this house has something that's just really special but you can even ask 549.9. Okay, so your your margin's only 10,000 on this house, okay? You're only asking mm-hmm. 10,000 more cuz he's kind of pumping his price. So you're you're asking 549, but this is somebody who can afford a uh, large payment and has some money uh, but has some messed up credit that they are confident you're going to help them get their credit worked out and own this great house. So they aren't as price conscious going in. And so even if it's a little on the high side, they're looking at terms too. And remember, they have bad credit. So what you, if you could get it for 540 sell it for 549 I uh, there's breaking points in this business, like at 50 and at 00. So you always want to be like 99.9 and 49.9. That's a good number. So on this, you'd want to hopefully be at, you know, uh, 549 uh, and then if you can do if you can be at that if you can get that price for it and even if you only get like 20 grand down now you'd have to save 10 grand cuz your spread's only 10 so that that is a case where you'd have to, I'd want you to put 10 grand in the bank okay but now let's say that this happens and they can now what are they going to pay you though so you give them 2 years cuz you could get 2 years from your seller with nothing down and you're paying him 540 so he's happy cuz you're paying him a high purchase price uh, but again, you gave them nothing down, and you're paying three thousand a month. So now your person's going to pay you four thousand a month. So just even if they, and and even if you only get two years from your seller, I mean, you you could make. A, and look at the non-refundable deposit on this, honey. Well, again, though, but then you know you're not going to have as big a spread on your purchase price. So whatever your spread is, that's how normally you'd get want to get fifty down on this. But you don't have a fifty spread. You may only have a ten thousand or twenty thousand, a small spread. Now here's what's going to happen, though. If you can get a few years on this, uh, the market will adjust. The the uh, uh, you know your what you owe the seller will go down. You'll get principal reduction. And so you'll this numbers will adjust. And so even if you if you have it for three, four, five years, you may end up owing the seller. You started at five forty, now you own five fifteen and you know, the house is, and you've pumped the price up a little bit every year. So now they're gonna you know, and the house is worth five sixty or something. So now all of a sudden you got a thirty five, forty, you know, a thousand dollar spread after a few years on a deal that you thought was, you know, super skinny. Plus You've made massive monthly cash flow. You've made thirty-six thousand over three years just on the monthly cash flow. So that's where sometimes you guys, you know, you'll see a deal and you'll say, "Well, this is no good." But purchase price. Sometimes that's the, you know, out of everything out of those four tentpoles, purchase price, monthly payment, uh, down payment, and length of term. Out of all those four, sometimes purchase price is the least important if the other three are really good. So that's I would pursue that deal for sure and see how flexible he is on on giving you some time and what his down you know if you go through the script now you don't say we n- normally pay nothing down or I don't like those words nothing down just if you follow the script you know and work it out where you don't where essentially you're getting this thing for nothing down and in that three thousand dollar payment then this could be a really good deal. Okay. I hope this was very helpful, Jason. It is. We want We're your success. Nervous. Yes. So 
So, but you guys send gotta us, stay in touch. Send us an email because we got a whole bunch of people in the queue and 15 minutes left. Yeah. yeah so let us know yeah. how these deals go. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. Okay, next we have Linda and Jim. Hey, Linda and Jim, how are you doing? Tell everybody where you're from. Hi, it's Linda and Jim from Illinois. From Illinois, yeah. Hi, guys. How are you doing? We just saw you Hi. recently. It's so nice um, to hear your voice. I'm so glad to hear you had a wonderful trip, too. We worried about the weather. Yeah, we were worried for sure. Well, thank you. Yes, it must have been those positive prayers coming our way. That's Maria decided yeah. to go the other way. That's it. I have a question for you about talking to realtors. Mm-hmm. We found two possible houses. Uh, both are being handled by a realtor. One we just kind of said, no, we're not going to deal with this. But the other one, the realtor, is not even returning calls. We talked to the owner, and she said, we haven't sold. It's been three months, and we have two houses. I'd love to sell it. And I I asked her if she would consider any kind of terms or owner financing. And she said, well, maybe, but I have to talk to my husband. Here's my realtor's phone number. Call her. Okay. Okay, well, the the realtor isn't answering. Okay, now here's the thing, guys. Anytime you talk to somebody and broach the topic of of them not getting paid off in full and they don't say no, that's pretty much somebody should get be getting a contract at some point. Unless they unless they now that usually all of them want to go and talk to their husband or wife. If you can possibly get the husband and wife on the phone at the time that they say that, that's a good answer. We talk about different negotiating techniques, good cop, bad cop. Well, the I got to go talk to my wife or my husband and stuff. That's a good cop, bad cop technique that they're using on you. So, and, and that's okay. There's not a lot you can do to get around it. They're going to have to talk about this for sure. The better thing, though, is if you can get them both on the phone and explain it to them together. So if they say, I have to talk to my husband, what we like to do is say, well, let's set up a time when all three of us could talk. So maybe, you know, can, will he be around at 7.30 tonight? Okay, I'll call you back at 7.30 and we all three can talk. That's better than her trying, than you going through the whole thing. Other, I don't mind you saying, do you think you might be open to giving us a little bit of time to pay you off in full? That's how we say it, too. We say, would you, you know, uh, or do you think you might be able to give us some time to pay you off in full? If they show any indication that they, that they might do it, and they, like I said, go to the husband and try to set up a time. So... I want you to talk to her again, and if she's flexible, uh, how did you get to her around the realtor in the first place? Um, Well, actually, they're not living in the house. We just met her at an event, and I don't have her phone number, so I can't call her. Okay, so So you only have the realtor's number, but you met her somewhere. You met the seller somewhere, and she said, here's my realtor's number, call my realtor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the realtor's, you know, she might have said something. This is really bad service, by the way, guys. I mean, so you get some good realtors out there and some bad realtors, and if you're calling 
Now, if you, are you leaving a strong message that you're definitely interested in buying the house, making an offer on the house? That's what it, the, sometimes it's in your message. And so, if you, and here's the other thing: if you've got the realtor's phone number, I want you to text them. You want to not just you want to call them. You want to leave a message, a nice, polite message. But whenever you're leaving a message for either a seller or a realtor, I always want all of you guys saying we're definitely interested in buying the house. No waffling around on that. Not like, well, we're kind of inter- you know, we're looking for some information about this property. No, say we're definitely. We the whole point of the message is to get a call back. The more serious you sound, the more likely you're going to get a call back. So oh, we're definitely interested in buying the house. Uh, we want to make an offer, especially if they've been ignoring you and you've left a couple of messages. Then you got to get stronger. Even you know, we <clears throat> we're trying to make an offer on this property. You don't want to be mad. You know, you don't want to leave a mad message. And that's when we do text messaging too, right? And that's when uh, after you leave a couple messages, text message and say, just leave a message, the same thing. We're definitely interested in buying the house. And with you, I'd even take it to the next level and and just say, you know, uh, we're, we're ready to make an offer, you know. And you are ready to make an offer. It's it's not a traditional offer, but you're definitely ready to make an offer on this house. Right. Okay. Um, now, when you, well, now, when you talk to the realtor, uh, and whenever you guys are talking to realtors, uh, I want you to uh, be asking them, do you think your seller might be open to giving us a little time to pay pay them off in full? So anytime you're talking to a realtor, if they have any listings, I, I you can just say, hey, do you have any listings that you've had a while and haven't sold or that you know of that haven't sold for a long time, you know, uh, like 90 days or more? And if they do, well, do you think that, you know, the seller on that property might be open to something like terms, you know, giving us a little bit of time to pay them off in full? Well, they might be open to that, uh, and then you're in. Then, then you know, uh, you can start talking about uh, working out the numbers. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you for the question, Linda. Yes. And guys, another don't... one relating to this house. Okay. It has an above-ground swimming pool. Is that a plus in Illinois or a negative? Uh, you know, it depends on your buyer. And if you got a family, and and it also depends on the pool. I, I've you know I've seen some above-ground pools that are actually really nice, and they've got you know a little decking around them, and, I mean, they're pretty fancy. And so something like that would definitely add value for the right buyer. Now, if it's an elderly couple who loves the house and would never use that thing, then that kind of is a detraction. And if you're showing them the house, you can say, well, we can have the pool removed. Um, but, you know, that's the nice thing about an above-ground pool. You know, they can have it removed. It's not, you know, they, it's, if you've got a pool in the ground and someone doesn't want a pool, we run into that all the time, actually, out here in Arizona, because you do run into people who don't want pools, and you've got a pool, or vice versa. They definitely need a pool, and you've got a house that doesn't have a pool. They love everything else, but I'm not putting a pool in, I'll tell you that much. So sometimes you run into that. I, we never take anything out or put anything in because if you, un, until we find the buyer. Because so, you never know, the buyer might love that thing. They might love that pool. Uh, and so it would be a, a definite you know, selling point. Uh, I would use it as a selling point because it's out there. And if it's in good condition, though, 
you know, if it's in good t- condition and it shows nice and, you know, it's not got a bunch of leaves in it and it's not a mess, if it shows nice, and obviously as the time of year gets later in Illinois now, uh, you know, obviously it's easier to sell it if it's in the summertime. But, you know, I would not pay to get it removed or anything. Um, you could always just say if someone says, oh, I love everything about this, but it's just that pool, then maybe you say, okay, well, let's work something out. Maybe I'll split costs with you on getting it removed if that's really, you know, if, you, if, if everything else was, you know, if the pool was gone, would you go for it? Okay, because okay. it's beautiful. It's a custom-built house, very similar to the one you were talking to the guy about. Oh yeah. Oh. It's probably a pretty nice custom. It's pretty nice above ground pool back there. Then I'm guessing. Yeah. Yes. Gorgeous. And the whirlpool and the sauna and three car garage and twenty eight hundred wow. feet. So pretty cool. That's, that's cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again for calling in, Linda, and um, give us a shoot us a quick email, okay? Yes, okay, we want we'll updates. Do that. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. All right, Brian, we have four people in the queue. We're not going to take any more. I mean, than these last four, there's people that keep coming in. Okay. And we got five minutes left, but we're going to obviously have to go a little bit over time to get all four of these. So um, starting with, um, let's see, this is the next one going in order. We have area code 973, New York. New York. Hello. Yes, hello. Hello. Hi. Who's this? How you doing? <clears throat> this is Dayron Alvarez. I'm calling from New Jersey, as a matter of fact. New Jersey. Hey. Yeah. All right. Yes, you got so, a question for us? Yes. My question is, um, during, uh, during owner financing, does the balance get reduced when, when they're paying their monthly payments, or does it stay the same? Okay, that's um, now if you give owner financing to somebody, uh, yes. anytime there's owner financing, there's some kind of an amortization schedule usually. Now, we did a deal where it was owner financing and it was an interest only. So if it's interest only payments, then obviously the, more, the principal balance is going to remain the same and I'm going to owe the same in three years as I owe now. Um, if we are selling the house, we always want to sell on lease purchase. On a lease purchase, you don't give people credit usually for um. anything coming off the purchase price. Um, that's called rent credit. Ron never likes to give rent credit. I, I will tell you that sometimes we give rent credit if people ask about it. If they say, you know, if I'm paying, you know, I'm paying you $2,200 a month, does any part of that go towards the, the house? We might say, yeah, we'll put $50 towards the price of the house or something like that. Just remember, if you are going to put anything towards the value of the house on a lease purchase, it has to be a separate check because this is going to be part of the down payment, and you have to show the lender everything that they've given you as part of the down payment as a separate check. Okay, so that's, that's one thing. Now, if you are making payments on owner financing, if, the person, if some seller has given you owner financing, there's two situations. One is if mm-hmm. they have an underlying mortgage. One is if they are free and clear house. Now, if it's a free and clear house, 
It's it's wild law west time. It's whatever you guys figure out between you. There's no mortgage company under there. And if you say, hey, I'm going to pay you $1,000 a month until the house is paid off, and that's 100 payments, it's a $100,000 house, I'll pay you 100 payments of $1,000, and then it's, it's paid off. And if he says mm-hmm. yes, then you got you know, a hundred, an interest-free uh, loan, you know, for 100 months uh, to pay the house off. So basically, it's anything you guys decide, because there's no terms already decided, dictated by an underlying mortgage. So usually, though, on an owner financing deal, you work out some kind of a percentage, like 4%, and you amortize it, you make an amortization schedule over 30 years, and however much the amortization schedule says you get credit for, that's how much you get credit for. So the principal balance will come down just like it would on a normal bank loan. Basically, the seller is like the bank. So whatever interest rates you figured out, and obviously more, do, more goes towards the principal, the lower the interest rate is. So you'd like to have it be low. But, uh, so, but now if they have an underlying mortgage, the way you're going to try to set it up is you're going to just try to make the payment on the underlying mortgage. You're not going to want to pay any more to the seller than whatever their mm-hmm. payment is. So if yep. that's the case, and that you know, so if their payment is twelve hundred fifty, and you're basically pay- making that twelve fifty payment, I usually I'd like you to send it directly to the mortgage company, but they might want you to send it to them. That's okay if you can check and make sure the payments are being made. So let's say mm-hmm. you're sa- sending the twelve fifty in then you will get credit for however much the underlying mortgage company is giving them credit for. So whatever the amortization schedule is on the underlying mortgage is basically how much principal reduction you're getting credit for. Okay. okay. Now, that's assuming that you own the house, you bought it with owner financing, like you said, so your yep. name's going to be on the deed of the house and you're making payments either to the mortgage company if they have one or to the seller directly if it's a free and clear house. So am I going to get that amortization schedule from the from the seller, like when I take over? Okay. See, there's a lot of free applications where you can get that. Now, if you Mm -hmm. have, uh, if they have a mortgage on the house, you're going to want to get whatever mortgage paperwork they have and okay. you're going to be able to look up an amortization schedule because you're going to be able to look up on the what's called the note. The note will have uh, you know this many years, usually 30-year term, and what the interest rate is, like 5%, and uh, it'll have it worked out on there. So um, okay. when, you see, when you see that, you can just plug those numbers into a 30-year amortization schedule, which you can find on a lot of bank sites. You know, these amortization schedules are easy to find. And then all you got to yeah. do is plug in the numbers. And so okay. then it'll pull the whole thing up, and you'll know exactly where you're at. Okay, great. I have one more thing um, really okay. quickly. I've been, I've been um, in, the, in Bronze Club for about three months. And sure, the Gold Club. I, yes, I'm doing the VA, the 297 package, but I haven't done the mentoring yet because – I really can't afford it as of yet. Okay. I need to make a deal. So is there sure. any, any, any suggestions? Should I get yellow letters or something like that? Because I still have to make a deal, you know, and I'm getting... Uh, well, yellow letters actually, are kind of expensive. Yeah, it's yellow your, letters are expensive. We really want you to have a mentor if you're dropping yellow letters. That's expensive, yeah. and we don't want you throwing money away because we understand what's a deal and you don't. 
Well, I'll tell you, yeah. if you just you need leads right now, and you need to get a deal, you need a bunch of leads. The more leads, the better. And the, one of the ways that you can generate leads is by calling Fizbos. So, it's, yeah. you know, calling outbound. It's not the highest quality of lead, and but I, we've seen tons of deals come off Zillow, Craigslist, uh, you know, just for sale by owner. People sometimes don't go to these next sites beyond Fiz, uh, beyond Zillow and Craigslist. They don't go to Fizbo.com and ForSaleByOwner.com. And you've got to check mm-hmm. some of these other sites because some people only advertise there. So you've got to get on the phone and start just calling sellers, people with houses for sale, and putting business cards are super cheap. You can hand out uh, 500 business cards just by going around your community and asking businesses if you can put them out. There's a lot of ways that you can get stuff Get the word out there. And you should be telling everybody you know that you do real estate investing, and uh, you should have some nice business cards made for sure. Those are really good points. You can get those business cards from Christy King, um, yellowletterlady.com. She does everything. She's a one-stop shop, so not just business cards, um, not just yellow letters, but business cards and flyers and street signs, anything you need, she has it. But also I want to mention if you can at least do the virtual assistant with Global Publishing for $2.97 a month, because yeah, then the you can get five hours for $105 of virtual mm-hmm. assistant hours. So yeah. um, have you signed up for the 297 a month at least? That's, that's exactly what I have, and I've been reloading. I've been reloading like every two weeks, like $200, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to run out of money, and I, and I really want this at least one deal so I could you know, actually go get a mentor. That's right, what I'm waiting right. for, the yeah. one deal. And like I said, if, if – um, you know, if you can allocate your friends, your funds accordingly, I mean, you can get into the mentoring program with nothing down. Yeah. They have the no money down thing. Okay, um, well, yeah. yeah. And, and everybody who has not tried to apply for the help card, I, I don't know how, if everybody's really aware of that or not, but that's a really mm-hmm. good program that a lot of people are using just to get some funds to get going with. Um, you can be approved from anything from, you know, 2000 to 10000 uh, but it's, it is kind of credit score driven. So if you have a decent credit score, uh, you can mm-hmm. a lot of times get approved for enough to you know take advantage of some of these kind of programs. It's zero interest for six months. <laughs> yes, and guys, if you run out yeah. of money to be to be buying a lot of VA time, I mean, you got to get on the phone yourself and you got to call these uh, Fizbo sellers because somehow leads got to be be generated to to do this business. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So all good and. All right. uh, Come back to the quick start real estate. Get on the call. Get on the call every Um, week and keep getting trained and keep your focus. It sounds like you're motivated, and I love that. Just keep your, you know, keep focused on doing what you need to do. And you can come back to the quick start real estate school for 12 months for free. So keep coming back. Yes, I will definitely take advantage of that. Thank you very much. You guys are great. Okay, you bet. Hey, next we have Marianne. Oh my goodness, it just would not be an alumni call without Marianne Nunes. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Marianne, how are you doing? Doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, I good. Have, I have a question uh, from one of your uh, calls back regarding if I were to get a three-year uh, lease option from a seller and then I sublease to a tenant buyer. And mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned something about um, three different lease uh, agreements for one year. This house is going to be this much. Uh, second year, if you don't buy the house, then it's going to be this much. And the third year. Now, does that mean that we have the, the buyer sign three separate 
lease agreements and three separate lease writers with a different... Okay, now that's a good point. Now, guys, listen, I'm going to give you this quick. When you are doing a lease option with your buyer uh, and they want a three-year option, what I was talking about was the easiest way to do that. If you are going to build up a step, in, you know, if you're building in a step-up program, this only applies if they want a three-year lease and you don't want to have the same purchase price for the whole three years. I was just... Okay, so basically the way you do it is you don't sign three lease agreements and you don't sign three lease riders. The four pieces of paper that you sign to sell a house are the application receipt agreement. When they give you some money down, whatever their deposit is, you hand them that. Then after that, you need the real property possession and lease agreement. So that has no terms or anything on it. That's just the rules of the lease. So that just says the pets and you know fire alarms and all that stuff, or smoke alarms. So that's you know that's going to be the same no matter what. Then there's a thing called the lease rider. Now let's say they want three years, but you don't want to give them the same price for three years. Maybe you give them the same price for two years or whatever, but let's say what Marianne's talking about is this example I gave for a three-year term. So let's say you have, you know, you're going to sell it to them for 250 now, but if, the, but uh, after 12 months, uh, it'd be 260, and after 24 months, you want to charge 270. So you want to raise it 10,000 every year. So you'll sell them for 250 for the first 12 months. So basically, uh, you're gonna, the lease rider is going to say that they have three years, so it's going to say they have 36 months, and it's going to say whatever their payment per month is, you know, 1500 a month or whatever it is. But then on the, the only document that's different on this deal, if you're doing a longer lease purchase with a step up in the purchase price, is the purchase option agreement. So that's the fourth document that you sell with. So when you get this purchase option agreement, you're going to write three of them, yes, and you're going to sign three of them with your buyer. One of them is going to be dated for 12 months out, and it's going to be 250, let's say. One of them is going to be dated for 24 months out, and that's the one that you're going to write 260 as the purchase price. Then one of them is going to be dated for three years out, and that one's going to be uh, 270 is going to be the purchase price. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, now, do you did you get that, Marianne? I got it. Do you ever raise the rent? Uh, yes, we usually do raise the rent unless we're really pushing it up front. We had a call earlier tonight where you know the 2300 was going to be a high rent. If you could get that, I'd probably just be happy to get that if I was covering a high payment. But normally we'll raise. It depends on the tenants and, like I said, how much we're pushing it out up front. But we'll usually raise it 50 bucks a uh, Every year, we'll, we might raise it 50 bucks a month, something like that. Okay, great. That's all I needed to know. And you know what? Before um, you go to the next person, you were speaking with... Now, if you were doing that, though, Marianne, you would need three lease riders. Oh, I would need three lease riders. Yeah. Now, if you're changing the rental amount over that three-year term, then oh. you would need three lease riders because you're going to change uh, you know, the dollar, their monthly payment. Oh, okay. But okay, I, so yes. If not, that's, again, all this is predicated on them wanting three years and you giving them three years. Uh, so, that's, you know, but normally, guys, I don't want you doing that. I want you writing it for 12 months. 
So, but if they gave you, you know, thirty thousand dollars and they just don't feel comfortable at twelve months, that's understandable, and I'd give them three years. But uh, twelve months uh, is your normal uh, lease purchase agreement, and if they, a lot of times after twelve months, we don't even call them or renew it, and if they want to, they call us, you know, and then we d- we decide. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, the the other lady you were speaking to just recently, uh, you were talking about uh, a realtor. Now, I thought when the property was was listed with a realtor on an MLS, we can't really deal with the seller. Well, we can't cut the realtor out. We can't cut the realtor out. We can. We can. And usually, it's hard to talk to the seller directly, and the realtor is going to want to talk to you. Or if you get a chance to talk to the seller, they'll usually say, like this seller did, you got to talk to my realtor. So if you – now, remember, if there's a deal on a house that's a $300,000 house, let's say, and there's a 6% commi- realtor commission because it's a listed house, sometimes you can work it out where if you bring in a realtor on your side and they, only, they agree to only take 1%, and you tell the realtor you're going to go ahead and you know they'll get their three percent and and all that out of the out of the deal. So you're paying four percent up front. So four percent of three hundred thousand is twelve thousand. So if you got that house and the seller was okay with nothing down, you could get that house for basically twelve thousand down. Um, you would have to pay the realtor up front. But how much would you expect to get on a three hundred thousand dollar house for a non-refundable option deposit? Hopefully thirty thousand. But even if you got twenty, you'd be eight thousand in the plus, even uh, though you paid a realtor. Now you can't go in there and cut the realtor out. You can't go in there and, and talk to the realtor and you know cut them out. Now if you talk to some seller whose house is listed, you can wait the listing out, and there's some other options there. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know at some point, yeah, if if you're going through the realtor. And talking to the realtor and saying, "Hey, would your seller be open to giving us a little time?" You're going to pay that realtor. Okay, so. sounds mm-hmm. good. Thank you yeah. so much. That helps. That helps a lot. That's okay. great. Always okay. glad to help you, Marianne. Okay, thanks. Okay, great to have you on the call. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye now. Okay, guys. Uh, I know Lynette is. Wait, I actually have uh, Stephen on the line. Stephen. Hi there. Stephen. Good evening. Hi. This is Hi. How are you doing? What's your question tonight? Outstanding. Nashville, Tennessee. I have a quick question. Great. Several times this evening, uh, Brian, you have referenced the four tent poles. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, and that's whenever you are negotiating a terms deal or a pretty house deal, we like to call them, you have to work four things out. Now, if you buy a house a traditional way, there's only one thing that needs to be worked out, and that's the purchase price. Uh, something has to be worked out like when you're going to close in 30 days or 60 days or something like that, but that's not really financing. So basically the only thing that you decide on is when you're going through a real estate agent is you put in an offer. Like if you you guys, when you bought your own house, probably if you you were, especially if you were being represented by a realtor, purchase price was the only thing the seller cared about or you cared about. Now the other things play in, these other four uh, all four temples play in when you have an owner financing deal uh, or a lease purchase or whatever. So now the big three ways you're going to close these deals are subject to owner financing or sandwich lease purchase. In all of them, these four things have to be figured out. In, with a subject to, they're already all figured out, basically, and that's why we call that deal the low-hanging fruit. 
Now, the four tent poles uh, are number one is purchase price. Like I said, now that's if on your normal deal, that's all there is. But on ours, that's only one step. The second step is the monthly payment. The third step is length of term. So how long are they going to give you? And then the fourth step is the down payment or non-refundable option deposit. Those are the same. So those four tent poles. Now, if you don't have those things, you'd like to be able to get those four things figured out on the closing call. It's great when you can and it's great when they're like pretty much in stone and everything's a go. Uh, a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you'll get like two and a half of them kind of worked out, and then you just make the appointment. I used to be a real stickler. I used to not go out there until I had all four things completely pretty much hammered out. And I lost deals because of it. But uh, now I'm, I'm much more flexible, but that's because we have acquisitionists. And, you know, they're going to do better. You're going to get a better chance of closing these deals. And it's just good to get out in people's houses, too, even if you don't have all this stuff worked out. Now, as close as you can get that stuff worked out, those four tent poles, uh, the, you know, the easier the deal meeting is going to be when you get out there because you don't have to work a lot of stuff out. Uh, but all of our scripts are designed to, to figure out those four things because you can't move forward there's four blanks on the contract that have to get filled in, and those, that's the four things. And you cannot move forward until those four things get figured out. And then really, you know, the whole thing, the whole business boils down to that. Our whole, you know, the whole pretty house side of this business really boils down to you getting on the phone and figuring out if somebody will, you know, give you those four things and be agreeable and flexible. Excellent. Thank you very much, and I'm very, very glad that you guys came back from Cuba in one piece. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome, guys. You, I Really, everyone, now, uh, if you guys know about our Wolf Bites, it's on our YouTube channel, and we got the YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash wolfcouple, and we're going to have a Cuba video. It's probably we're going to have it on uh, the Gold Club, too, so I know a lot of you guys are in the Gold Club and uh, you follow us on Facebook and stuff. So we will be talking about that. Actually, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit tomorrow on our, our call, too. Honey, we got one more call in the queue here. Okay. The last caller in the queue. Thank you for that call, Steve. Great call. Great question. Hello. Yes. Who? Hey, it's Rodney here in Florida. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Rodney? Fantastic. Wondered how you guys felt about buying, well, first let me give you a little, uh, where it's at. It's a house that's in a residential neighborhood that has lots for about a third to a half an acre. Okay. This one sits on three quarters of an acre, but it has two houses on it. Okay. Are they um, both, they both have a driveway to the main road? Yes, well, it's a circular drive. The houses are only about 10 foot apart. One is a four-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, and the in-law house is a two-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage. Okay, and these are regular stick-built houses? Yes. And are they actually subdivided on two separate lots, or this is one three-quarter acre lot? One three-quarter acre lot. is there any sub subdividing this thing down the middle? They're only ten no. feet apart. Yeah, I'm talking. You literally walk out one door and you're 
at the next, and that's the reason for the motivation of the sale. Actually, I was targeting high or low equity homes. Uh-huh. My yellow letter hit her. She owes less than 50% of the value. Okay. And so what is the what kind of terms have you t- discussed her giving you some time to pay her off? She will do terms. Uh, okay. We're still working on how much she wants down because she's not going to go with nothing down. She's claiming she wants a down payment for her new house. Okay. Uh, what is – so this may be a tricky property to figure out comps, and it may be tricky to sell. It's almost like a duplex. Uh, yeah. it, it's you know, and duplexes, you know, you have to try to find somebody. Really, you almost want to look for an investor here, and you know, to to flip it to an investor. But if she if she'll give you some kind of decent terms, uh, here's the thing that people don't think of all the time, guys. There's a lot of people who are investors who are we call them wholesale buyers. They'll buy an ugly house from you and rehab it and sell it for sell it retail and make a profit. But there's also people who just want income properties, and if they can, if you can sell them a pretty house and for cash, they'll pay you cash with a down payment. Uh, if you have the right kind of property, if this thing, if this setting had a really low payment, what's the payment on this, Rodney? Fourteen hundred a month. Okay. What What do you think? Uh, what what do you think these houses would rent for? Do you have any idea on that? Um, I should have, but that's probably one thing I didn't. Uh, yes, twenty three I mean, about twenty three hundred a month. Yes, I did. Twenty three hundred a month. So, are we talking about uh, eleven fifty each? Is that what we're probably, talking about? Twenty three hundred a month. Probably the the two bedroom would probably go for right at. A thousand. Okay. And then the rest would be on the bigger house. It's four bedrooms. Okay. okay. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it comes down to what kind of a down payment she's going to agree to. Now, exactly. here's the thing. If uh, is she okay with you paying her fourteen hundred a month? She probably will be. Okay. Well, if you can get it for 1400 a month, and I mean, you may have some really nice cash flow on this property. Uh, and that's the thing. Sometimes uh, if she'll give you decent terms and you can get somebody in here as, as a – I'm just trying to figure out a way to do both these things separately, but they're not deeded separately. I'm racking uh-huh. my brain. And you really – there's no way to subdivide these as two separate lots. No, there's – I'm telling you, okay. there's literally 10, less than 10 feet between well, them. Yeah, and that's another know. reason for her motivation is because she has a little room rented out at 750 a month, and she has no privacy. Okay. Uh, what kind of condition are these in? Oh, they're in good condition. Okay. Excellent condition. You know, um, I think maybe if you advertise this the right way, you might really find somebody who wants to live by their relative or something. I mean, you might find just the right people who want this kind of a situation. The tricky thing is, like you, like you indicated with her, if she's living in one and you got the other one rented out, it's basically, you know, you don't have privacy. You're the landlord and you live right next door. I mean, right, right. next door. 
So I, I could see where that would be, uh, you know, something that would make someone hesitate. But, you know, once you figure out the down payment, remember, you don't have to give her the down payment. If you structure this right, sometimes you can, you know, put it out there, start advertising it, find somebody before you ever owe her anything, and then have the down payment to give her. So mm-hmm. that's good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to keep me keep me in the loop on this one because this one sounds like uh, it could potentially be a good one. What what's her price on this? What's her purchase price? Uh, that she wants. Yeah. What's she wants. App? She wants five hundred thousand. Zillow gives it a four ninety one. Okay. Like you said, it's hard to comp out. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it would be yeah. You know what? It's it's ma- it's a matter of working it out because it could be a really good income property with a lot of positive cash flow if you found the right, right person. And if she can mm-hmm. not be too demanding on the down payment, uh, then you know you can hopefully cover that with what you get from your lease purchase buyer. Right. It's a little tricky, but guys, here's the thing: a lot of these properties that we end up doing, that we end up making really good money on, are sometimes they call them hairy coconuts. And your normal investor would walk down, and they would see that hairy coconut sitting there on the beach, and they'd just walk past because they don't have the tools to open it up. But the idea of all the techniques that we teach you and the pretty house and all the deal structuring is we're trying to give you a machete to go over there and chop that coconut open and, you know, enjoy that great coconut, you know, milk and, and everything. So that this one's kind of a hairy coconut. It's kind of a tricky one. I think she's asking market value, which I'm not crazy about. And there's some other things to think about. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of deal that sometimes you stick with it. And, you know, sometimes it takes you a few weeks to make it all work, come together. But you end up making some really good money off of it. So uh, this one could be, like I said, potentially the thing I like the best is the positive cash flow per month. And then right, right. if somebody comes in, remember, if, if, uh, if she's reasonable, like ten or 15000 down, and you could get somebody to come in with forty down, I mean, you're going to have a pretty good cash influx as well. So this one has a good upside. All right? All right. Hey, it's great to hear from you, Rodney. And uh, it was great to see you at our event uh, not too long ago. Yes, and I'll be seeing you soon again probably. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, (laughs) thank you so much, and thanks for getting on the call, and thanks for a great question. Great talking to you. you. Okay, guys, so we're wrapping it up tonight. Another uh, great session on the alumni call. Lots of great questions. Yes. Uh, lots been, of great answers and lots of great uh, information. This has been a fabulous call. Yep. And uh, we love doing this alumni call every week. So don't forget to mark that in your appointment reminder on your cell phone, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, the fourth Monday of every month. It's always me and Brian. And we love doing these calls. And, of course, we can't wait to see you at the Quick Start Real Estate Schools. We're at all of those. And bring in lots and lots of leads so we can close deals for you. Yes. So we'll see you at something soon. Take care and take action. Action. (laughs) Take action. Yes. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks.